everyone. Welcome back to Listen For Real. I'm Jen Oliver, and I am following up from this last episode I had with Allison Carver. We decided at the end of it that we had to continue the conversation, and guess what, with her husband present. Hey, Ian, I'm so glad you're back with us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So y'all, if you didn't listen to the previous episode where I get in nitty gritty um, on all things sensuality and sex with Allison, I recommend it. That said, you've just heard what the topic of this episode is about. So if you're not in a place where you can be listening to this uh, because you're in mixed company or you need to put your AirPods in or you need to hit pause and come back, do that. It's going to get really good. And we are going to delve in. And I'm so thankful, Ian, you were willing to do this. This is kind of both of you, really. This is really a vulnerable and different thing to talk about sensuality, about what's possible in uh, for our bodies, our pleasure, and our relationships. But by way of often referencing your own relationship, it's really easy to talk about it third person. It's right. not... Easy, but you guys um, have always been really, from the time I've met you, very, very transparent. And um, I was saying before we started recording that this has been hard won. Uh, you've been together what twenty five years, almost twenty three and change yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, will you just let's let's dive in right away about how this does matter to a relationship, this idea that two individuals are sensual, sexual beings in their own capacity first, and then these two human beings and these souls come together. You know, Allison, if you want to kick it off, and then Ian, here's what you need to know. An audience, you all already know this because you've been on the couch with me here and listen for real. We just talk, and this is conversational, and everybody jumps in because it's a conversation like that. So, Ian, you jump in any old time you want. But, Allison, you start us off on why that is so important. And did you guys start out as really strong... um, grounded in your sensuality, individuals and souls, and then you came together? Because I know if anyone listened to the last podcast, there's been a journey here. You want to talk about that? Yeah, quite, quite the journey um, that I didn't really even understand at the beginning, for sure, because I started my journey a little bit for morally for my clients, right? So really understanding that I was an empowerment coach and having a missing piece and then understanding, oh, I need to help them maybe with their sensuality. I, during that time, honestly thought our sex life was totally fine. And, but looking back on it now, it was definitely more of, I would say maybe a little above average, but it was just kind of the normal marriage interaction, right? Mm -hmm. And all that that comes into play with that. But so it wasn't until I started to deep dive into my sexuality, that everything kind of started to shake up and change. So that's why it's so fun to actually have Ian here to kind of talk to because I feel like it's so important. And so much of my work and it's expanding even into the, the men's side too, of bringing everybody to the same page 
on the the intimacy level. And it's it's just so cool to hear what a positive spin that's been on for him as well. So mm-hmm. we we kind of feel as women that like we talked about in the other episode of kind of just feeling selfish that we're taking this time of of learning about our own bodies, but it's actually something that is so amazing for the relationship. And that's where this is going to be a really cool thing to talk about. So Ian, is that uh, intimidating to a man? And I realize you don't speak for all men. Right, right. All partners, because again, we are talking about a heteronormative uh, male-female relationship here, but so it doesn't extend to all partners. But is it intimidating or I've always wondered if a woman is exploring her own sexuality and sensuality and she is in a marriage, um, that that is threatening as if it's saying to the man, you're not enough or you're not giving me enough, I want more does that immediately make a guy feel less than, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get it. And I understand where you're coming from. It's um, again, looking at it from my perspective and my standpoint, no, I I've never looked at it like that, but being a guy, knowing guys, uh, I can see how that is a very common mindset to where it's, it's like the use of sex toys, right? Guys freak out about it because, Oh my God, that's a replacement for me. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not. It's it's to enhance. It's to make things better. It's to allow your significant other to enjoy themselves. If you're not there, it's no replacement. And I'm sure it might become an issue at some point in time, but that's not where this goes. But men are very quickly trapped by their ego. Mm. I mean, tremendously trapped by their ego. And so it would not be beyond the stretch of the imagination to think that, hey, a woman exploring her sexuality is a danger to me because I don't know. I think we're, would men, where men would see it as she would do something to jeopardize the relationship. She would leave. She would cheat. I'm not, not enough anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of looking at it like I chose to in that this is a good thing. This is something yeah. that is going to benefit us because let's just be frankly honest here. Yeah. That, you know, the, the relationships are not just built upon, oh, she's pretty. He's handsome. There's a physical side to this thing. I really like the feeling of connecting intimately and sexually with my partner for all these reasons, right? And so um, that, to me, looked when I look at it that way, I say, why wouldn't I want to have her explore her sexuality, what makes her feel good, what she finds enticing, what she finds erotic, and then why wouldn't I want to implement that into our lives as well? So it's hard to answer that in the, in the broad spectrum of saying guys in general, but yeah. I can definitely see without a doubt how that would be looked upon as threatening without a doubt. And that's an ego thing that guys just, you know, it's, it's the, it's the typical dumb guy pulling the man card thing. And, and I, you know, I can't let my ego get out of the way. And so I'm going to hold on to this as being a threat for me. It wasn't an issue. And, and I'm a very, very type a um, knuckles to your face kind of guy, so to speak. So it's not, mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people would be surprised by my answer, but for me, not a problem. Okay. So when Allison was just referencing that you guys had a pretty good sex life, probably above average, but she knew she had to take a deep dive and get into this work. So would you say, obviously now you have the luxury of hindsight, but at that time, did you also go, Hey, we have a great thing. It's almost like you don't know what you don't know. 
Yeah. It was that at play also, or did you feel like there's something missing or? No, I, I don't. There was never anything that was like, Hey, I feel something's missing or something's not right. I will agree that we are both, I, I was raised in a European household. So for mm. me, sexuality, sex, nudity, it wasn't a taboo like it is in much of Western society and religion. It wasn't that way. Mm. So for me, I was very much more open to it and understanding of the process. And I never really looked at our initial years of marriage as having issues. Never, ever once. In fact, I thought we had a great sex life. We mm. had fun and we were wild and explorative. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you could also tell there was a uh, I guess I, I would say some maybe degree of confidence lacking in Allison sometimes in like the way she felt or the way she exhibited herself. And mm-hmm. that's not like, Hey, we're going to turn the lights out and do it with a t-shirt on kind of a thing. It was just, right. there was always maybe a tiny, tiny bit of inhibition in really letting herself be free to enjoy the actual act of sex and the pleasure that comes with it. Yeah. Not so much for me, but more so for her. Right. Like, and that's, and that's exactly where this journey went for her is like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm super important in this whole process to get what I want to get out of it. And in the process, you're going to get a whole hell of a lot more out of it. And that's exactly what it turned out to be. So great sex went to extraordinary sex, went to where we're at now where it's, it's literally cosmic. I can't, I can't describe it any other way than it's like tantric times 10. So, yeah. uh, I, it's mind blowing to see where it has gone and the possibilities that are, are out there for people. Should they be willing and have the desire to open their minds and take that step forward and just yeah. let all the preconceived notions and crap about who they are and what they're supposed to be and act like and what feels good and what's okay. Let that go and just enjoy it for what it is and how it feels. Because I can tell you if it makes her feel good, it makes me feel good and vice versa. Yeah. So, And it comes down to communication too. But I mean, in the general sense of things, we never had anything bad. We just made it tremendously better. Oh, that's so great. Allison, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, so I think that the the biggest thing that I knew was lacking in our relationship that kind of was that little tiny fight that just kept showing up every so often, right? Like we don't fight very often, but it was always the same thing. And that Mm. was, Ian was always just like, I I don't understand why you struggle with just showing affection, whether that is in, in public or just naturally touching me, like, you know, doing this or holding my hand. And I always looked at it as I'm this like strong woman. And why do I need to just like constantly like stroke your ego? Cause I'm like, Mm. your ego is huge. Like why, You know, but I, this was all things I was telling myself and, but the reality was he just wants to be loved like the rest of us. And I had these walls that had been built up from church childhood, right? Like all these things we talk about, but, and so I, and I wanted to, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I want to work on this. I really want to, I understood now that he, what he wanted was completely valid. And I understood now in my head, but then it was like, why can't I do that? Like, why Mm -hmm. can't I just grab his hand? Why? So there was these things that I needed to learn. And that happened with me dropping and learning about my body to release these, these old blocks 
that now it's just, it's, it becomes just, I feel like I'm completely 180 degrees a lot of the times where it's like, I am, can't get enough of him. I just, I just want to be right yeah. there. And so I didn't, I didn't understand that before. I didn't, un, I didn't get that. So it's, now it's super fun because we are so much closer. Yeah. And to, to dovetail off of that, um, what, and I think Allison said it in a, kind of, kind of way that I, I don't know that she meant to say it though, but when she said, you know, I had a big ego, it's not so much that I have a big ego. I'm not, I wouldn't go so far as saying I'm egotistical and I think great, no, 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 no. great of myself, but just the fact that uh, I am confident, I am outward, I am seemingly assured in who <laughs> I am. However, the, the thing that I think is overlooked more often than not is that men are very much in need of validation as mm. to where they stand in a relationship and that it's okay to tell them you love them, you you hold their hand, you kiss them in public kind of thing. Um, that is often totally overlooked. And that is, hey, guys are tough. They're guys. They don't need that stuff. And I can, I can assure you that's not the case. So sex is the barometer in a lot of ways to go, where do we stand? Right? Or, or, hmm, because that's a really important point you're making, Ian, is the physical touch, especially depending on the man, especially if he is physically touch oriented versus one that is more words of affirmation and, and being told how amazing it is, or she wants to spend time with you. We all know the love languages. And so everybody kind of shows up a little differently, but is that the barometer where sex is the measure of the relationship and, and where it's at or where it can be? Or is it about the connection? Because then I'm thinking about people who, because of illness or disability, um, maybe they don't have a sexual relationship, but they are very intimate as partners. Do you know what I, does, yeah. does that make sense where I'm going with that? Yeah. I think it's connection for sure. And for me, I think that, but sex is a huge part of that connection for the mass majority of relationships, right? And I think that, we, we tend as women, a lot of the time to get so caught up and busy with our lives that it, it gets dropped down. And then the guys are like, it, it almost starts to look like, oh, well, they just want sex, right? They actually like want that time, that alone mm. time with their spouse and the connection with their spouse. And then yes, that's the intimacy that gets to happen. But unfortunately, like so many relationships with these busy lives it kind of just looks like sex, right? Like it gets boiled down to just the, the intercourse. But mm -hmm. um, when we allow ourselves to really take that time, like you think about relationships when they're brand new, right? That time where you stay up for hours in the night because of them, you know, you make sure that they're well taken care of and, and then like over time with relationships that starts to boil down, but we were able to reconnect on this whole different level and then just keep building on that. And I think yeah. that's the, that's that strong foundation that I want for everybody's relationship because it, people just tap out, you know? Yeah. yeah. So for, for men, 
when the relationship is new, much like Allison said, and I think for both sexes, it's the same way that we, <clears throat> you know, the interaction we have with each other is the part that lets us know we're important to each other and that we mean something and that we're both attractive to each other. And as time goes on, that dissipates just because of life. Mm-hmm. And so for men, as that time goes on, the validation that, hey, I'm still important and I'm still attractive is through sex. But unfortunately, what that becomes is it becomes mechanical sex. It's just, mm. it's, it's a lot less of the connected side of the relationship that you had in the early days. And now it's just like, it makes me feel like I still have a connection, although we're really kind of not sort of maybe kind of, so it's, it's tough. And, and along those lines just has to come that whole communication aspect of like what I'm expecting as this relationship matures, mm-hmm. as it reaches its peak, so to speak. Right. So both folks have to be on board with speaking about that and laying their expectations out for the long term, really, in in all honesty, like, what do you want from your relationship? You want to stay close. I can guarantee you people don't necessarily get married to get divorced and and separate and lose their way from each other. They, that's not why they came together and that's not what they want. So in order for that to happen, there has to be that level of communication to allow those things to happen to where, yeah, sex becomes better now because it's not a form of quote unquote validation for the guy that I'm still important, but now it becomes connected on different levels. If that makes sense. Mm, Yes. I mean, yeah, it, it lets me know that, okay, she finds me attractive, but it also, it really lets me connect to her, like not just physically, but obviously spiritually and emotionally, it lets me really connect to her and, and get to enjoy everything that is about the relationship that we found on literally, well, Day two, I guess. I don't know. Day one. Yeah. So 23 years and change later, here we are, you know, and it keeps getting better. And if that's because of just the, the, the growth we've had, then it's, it's been a blessing. Okay. So Ian, from your perspective, I want you to go first, because I want to understand giving versus receiving, because I think at least the way I have um, mentally been trained, mainly because of religion, is that I remember we would always be told, if you just focus on completely pleasing your partner, and that is your sole focus about pleasing your partner, that is what's righteous and good. That is where your focus should be. And then you can't go wrong. Because... If in a perfect world, both people are thinking that way, both people are being pleased. That doesn't work very well if both people don't have that mindset. But there is, um, we focus so much on giving and giving pleasure and what we give to the other person. But I feel like receiving is an important part of this conversation. And so I would just love... To, to get your perspective on giving versus receiving as the, as the husband in this partnership and just what you've come to understand about that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think the art of, well, like on general flat terms, giving and receiving to a guy is quite simply that I get mine, you get yours. We're happy. Right. But the, again, this is, this is a, this is a step down or up, however you want to look at it to where, yeah. um, 
that that's what brings you to a different level within the relationship. And that takes a lot. No, I wouldn't say a lot. I think it just depends on the open mindedness of the person. It takes some work to get to mm. break through the normative thought concept of sex as being, I'm going to get mine and whether you get yours or not, eh, you know, one of those deals, mm-hmm. maybe again, maybe I'm different, but my focus in sex, even from the, from the early days on, you know, prior to Allison and in our early days of our relationship was I was very focused on my partner having mm. the best experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And so maybe that puts me a slight step ahead of the, the rest of the folks in the marching group. I don't know. Mm. But it was easier for me then to, as I progressed and um, got further into our relationship and kind of understood the, the process of behind sex, it was much easier for me to receive because then I, I felt, I don't know, I guess I, you feel almost equal. Like, hey, I'm really trying to make you feel good. And I want, mm-hmm. you know, and then when she reciprocates, it's like, hey, you're really completing the circle. Though. The whole yin and yang mm. and everything is really coming together. So, yeah. Um, just, but that's stri- oh, go ahead. No, no, I, go but, ahead. But that strikes me as really. I just saw how painful that would be for someone if their focus is. I really like you pointed out that you started out going. I really want to please my partner. I love that. And you have a partner that is unpleasable because they feel they have no worth. They feel they are un, they don't deserve it. They're protected. They're shut down. Gosh, that has to be really heady stuff. <laughs> yeah. Especially for the woman. Um, because I think that, of course, super, super flattered, right? That, that here, this man wants to make sure that he pleases me first, but then we all change throughout our lives. Right. And so the, the needs are different. Um, the, the ability to reach orgasm becomes different in, and things that you like that feel felt great before. I always joke with, with everybody because I'm like, it's gotta be extremely difficult to be a man because women are very complicated. And mm. we, what <laughs> I always say, what I loved yesterday, like, like couldn't get enough of yesterday. You try that on me today. I might absolutely hate it. And so then it's like, depending on where we are in our cycle, depending on where, you know, where my cervix is, because that moves up and down through the month, like some things feel great. The other days they feel terrible. So I'm always like, how do you even figure us out? Like this was the whole deep understanding of why it's so important for women to learn on, on their own. Yeah. You know, with through self-pleasure to learn like, hey, yeah, right now this feels amazing. And then to find that voice to be able to communicate that to him, because that was always a struggle for me, like as far as voicing stuff. I just I was I did didn't know that was was just not comfortable for me. And so really having this understanding that, yeah, I have this partner that wants to please me all the time, but I don't even know what I like. Yeah. You know, and, and did we get lucky a lot of the times? Yeah, it was, it was luck of the draw and, and whatever, but I still didn't understand it. I still didn't truly know what I wanted. And so that was what really allowed me to drop in and try to learn for my, for myself. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't understand that like we, it was normal to 
need 20, 40 minutes to build up to an orgasm for a woman. Like I always just was like, God, he's like, how are you just ready? And, and I don't have that mindset yet. So I, I thought there was something with, it was something wrong with me. Oh my gosh. You know, so in, and so there's that understanding now of like, that just makes things so much easier for him that I understand my body and can voice these things. And I can say, you know, what really feels good or doesn't feel good. And he wants to know, that's the thing. I think most men want to know. They just don't have that option. Well, and it's understanding your body and understanding your psyche. So as you were just talking, I was reminded of, uh, oh gosh, uh, a long time, decades and decades ago, uh, I was with a partner and um, it was not all it could have been. And I was told pretty routinely that I was kind of frigid and not exploratory and not really into it. And so I was, um, I was also in a very religious setting. So I thought, okay, the problem's with me. And I remember you guys, I went and had these random people like literally pray over me and try and like exercise, like, 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 like a, not an exorcism, like weird, but just trying to like, release me of all my frigidity and stuff. And I was like, cause I was so determined, like, Oh, the problems with me, I got to fix this. Okay. But psych psychologically, here's what I realized. First of all, I didn't know myself very well, my body. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know it was okay to ask for my pleasure and that it could take 30 to 40 minutes to your point just now. And so you think something's wrong with you because you're not like moaning like some chick on porn where she's immediately turned on because he put his hand down there. Right. You know what I mean? It's like so unrealistic. Right. And then um, if you don't feel psychologically safe in your relationship, uh, some people can bang it out and have a great time. I mean, sorry to be so crude, but they can and they don't have to feel psychologically safe necessarily. And they have great sex. and Cool. Right. Dude good on you. But for me, I just, there, the intimacy and the psychological safety and the ability to be vulnerable was a, was the key that unlocked the door to me and my orgasm, my ability to enjoy sex, et cetera. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's the mass majority of women, honestly. Yeah. We, again, like you said, there's always exceptions to the rule, but we as women need that time. We need that's where I always tell everybody, like, you, I rather focus so much on foreplay mm-hmm. that that gives us this time. And, and there is this misconception I keep hearing from, like, random men that it's like, oh, man, I got to do the work. And I'm like, mm. what? What do you mean work? Like Ian, work? okay, for those who are not watching video, Ian is shaking his head with pure disbelief. I, yeah, I just it's just I can't believe some of the stuff guys say or do. I really can't. And um I'm as much <sighs> man's man as you can be and I'm just like, "What planet are you from where foreplay is work?" Yeah. You know, that's that just blows me away. You rather do this, you know, you know, 7 minutes maybe if We're that like, like you know, yeah. Two minutes worth of friggin' sex and call it a day, or you run yeah. 45 minutes of it. You tell me. And so these guys who say that, I just, I'm like, what planet are you from? You're the most egotistical, self centered, narcissistic idiot in the world if you cannot wrap your head around the fact that it's not work. 
And that's a pleasurable experience for both of you. That's going to be incredible. Yeah. So just shut it and get to work, you know, but yeah. We got to do the most, Oh, you want me to massage your shoulders again? You know? And you're like, what? No, but I would like a massage. And yeah, but I think that again, that there's so much where that comes from is from just culture. It started, you know, with maybe they, the first time they learned about sex is porn, you know, and they were like, well, what do you mean? Like, this is, they're just supposed to be rip roaring, ready to go. They mm-hmm. don't know any different. And that's why mm-hmm. this type of conversation is so important because it's, validates what is real and what's really needs to happen in relationships. And it's, it's just so important and no one talks about it. You know, no one talks about it. The, the level of fear of sex and sexuality in this world, I would say, not just this country, this world in general Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. I cannot believe it. It's like the most, it is the most natural thing you can do. It is the only reason all of us are here. Mm -hmm. It, (laughs) It is the reason a woman's clitoris exists. So pleasure is the center of this thing. Why in the heck is it such a taboo? And I understand people have ruined it just like they ruin a lot of things. But the base of it is that it's a totally natural, totally pleasurable, enjoyable experience that brings people closer together. It really does. And it brings a lot of magic to a relationship and to people's lives. And the fact that we cannot talk about it openly, you know, it has to be such a hush-hush thing or you try to post about it on social media and you're taken down and you're blackballed and people look Mm -hmm. at you and they... You know, you're a slut, you're a gigolo, you're whatever the term is of the day, because you want to explore sex as a good, fun tool for your life. It just blows me away. And so, yeah, we have this unfortunate society that we live into where there is no formal education on it. It really isn't. It's so rare that you would either have parents that are really going to sit down and talk to you. Like we talk to our kids about like, I mean, the conversation we had with our kid, people were like, you did not do that. And I was like, oh, yeah, we did. We did. So great. They, they know we have sex toys and they know we're up there, you know, doing the mashed potato quite a bit. So, yeah, they, they are very well aware of what happens in here. And the goal, the idea is A, to educate them about the proper way to look at sex, look at relationships, look at how to treat each other. And that way, when they get into their relationships, they have an understanding, but they're not learning it from porn. Now, I'm not saying there's... To a degree, there's not, there's nothing wrong. There's something wrong with porn. There's porn. You know what? Cool. Use it for the fun tool that it can be, but realize, realize it is absolutely not realistic. It is Mm -mm. nothing. It is, Mm -mm. it is acting just like a Hollywood movie is just like John Wick or Mission Impossible. It is an Mm -hmm. act, a total Mm -hmm. act. There's nothing real about it. And so the problem being is that where do people, including women learn, they learn from their best friend and their dumb story of the week or from porn or both. Mm -hmm. And that's the expectation. And so then when you come into a relationship and the expectation is the female thinks I'm supposed to act a certain way and the male thinks I'm supposed to act a certain way and she's supposed Mm -hmm. to act a certain way when I do this. And, you know, it goes back and forth. And you just nailed it as far as the act goes. Mm -hmm. Act. And that's, unfortunately, it turns into a performance when Mm -hmm. people are not Mm -hmm. tapped into it. So because of that, that thinking, and I think that there's, there's definitely a difference between like your first impression and what movies are, right? Like when we were little, when we were teens or whatever, when we watched a movie, we did think those characters were real. Like Mm -hmm. we did, like, I still have the conversation with my son. Like he thinks half the marbles are real. Like it's like his, 
he wants to believe that and that's great mm-hmm. and that's fine and he can live in that. But when that's our first impression f- for sex is porn, yeah. like it is very real to us as the, that age. But if we were to have learned it in a very natural, true way, an explanation of, okay, well, this is what this is, I think coming into porn as an adult, we have such a deeper understanding that it is fake if we can build it off of what is real, right? Mm -hmm. Like having an understanding and then it can be for what it is. It can just be a way um, of arousal instead of it being like, yes, this is how it's supposed to be. It's very different in a relationship. And those acts could definitely come together and that could happen, right? It can be wild. It can be crazy. It can be all those things, but that's not the foundation of where it shows up. If that makes, if that quite makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break and come back. I have a few more questions I want to, I want to dig into. Yes. We'll be right back. Okay, let's just get right into normalizing talking about things. And we were on break. And this is so important, y'all. It's like the things we worry about. You're so open and honest and you talk about with your kids. And we left off with you saying, you know, yeah, our kids know what's going on. We, we don't hide that. Would you get into that a little more? Because there's a lot of people out there that go, oh my gosh, we got to keep this under wraps. We never want, we never want our kids to know about this, hear about this. God forbid they think their parents have sex. Um, I was just thinking about The Red Tent is a book I'm reading right now. It's, it's an older book, probably 20 years old. It's amazing. Um, but it is back to like biblical times and everybody lived in tents and the they talk constantly in this book about you heard in the village in those days you heard every cry of ecstasy you heard every abusive situation you heard every everything (laughs) and everyone knew what was going on with everyone else but that normalized it right? That normalized it. And it was just a normal thing that people made love, people fought, people um, had incredible ecstasy and people had terrible sex. And everybody in the village pretty much knew what was going on. Yeah, And yeah. it was just normal. And I think that that is, we've gotten so far away from that, like so removed from that, from having a normal relationship that deals with ups and downs to then what they show like on social media, right? Like having this mm-hmm. perfect image and then not having that at home, right? We have, we, we just want to perceive this like perfectness. And so I always bring up to people like when they just go, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Your, your kid's 
could possibly be hearing you have sex? Like, are you kidding me? And I, and I'm just like, here's the thing. It, it, it was not the easiest thing for me to wrap my my brain around at the beginning either. Um, and, you know, I was always like, okay, hey, we'll turn the meat when the kids were younger. Actually, I think when they were younger, honestly, I just did not want them to wake up, right? Like you finally get your kids to sleep and you don't want them to wake up. Yeah. But um, then it com- becomes like, okay, they're kind of getting older and this is what that can be. And then it was like this, I kind of realized like, well, hey, time on a second. Like we people relationships what i have seen as far as people fighting in front of their kids people don't think twice about i mean whether mm-hmm. it's in public or at home in front of their kids whatever the language it's insane what people do and it's like okay so and that's very much the household i grew up in it was very lots of fighting and mm-hmm. i honestly never even knew that my parents even liked each other. I just always thought they fought all the time. And so now I have this deep understanding like, well, hey, I would rather my kids hear us making love and know that we are solid and we are in a really good place. And then, yeah, maybe they hear us bicker every freaking blue moon, which it's not very often at all. Um, But at least they know like, okay, well, they're not going to get divorced because like I heard last night, like, you know, (laughs) and it might be super, super awkward for them. I can imagine like I, it would be awkward, but underneath it all, when they're an adult and they think back on the situation, they're going to be like, Hey, I knew my parents really, really loved each other. And that's all I can hope for. So I think it comes from, how people grew up. Right. And how that's all we do is we kind of start to mimic. And unless you're somebody in like my case where I'm like the last thing I want, and actually both of us are of the last thing we wanted to walk into was a relationship that we just fought because we both had parents that fought all the time. Mm. So like not it, that's not us. So it's really fascinating to think about it that way. I wish more people would be like, Oh, okay. Like, this that makes sense. And, and that's not to say we're, you know, in there banging it out with the doors wide open. That is not the case. No. I mean, cool. <laughs> oh, what's going on in that household? No, no, no. The, the, the truth of the matter is, I mean, you, you live in a house like, you know, we, we talked about you live in a house where like it, people are going to hear that you hear the dogs walking up down the stairs. People are going to hear things and it's okay if they hear what is the sound of a healthy relationship versus the discord and disharmony that both she and I grew up in, in our households as kids that mm. ended up in multiple divorces and, you know, domestic violence and stuff. So not wanting to go down those roads, I would much rather my kids heard us loving, joking, having a good time with each other, you know, making love. I would, I would rather they're hearing that mm-hmm. than hearing the other thing. And I mean, literally when we say we bicker in once in a blue moon on both hands over 25, almost years now on both hands, I can probably count the number of legitimate arguments we've had probably like, mm. even on one hand to where it's like, you know, it's a legit argument that we've gotten into, but that's, it's so rare. And we're thankful for that, um, yeah. that we don't have that same environment that we grew up in and the kids can have a different perspective on things. And like this, like we said, when they walk away and 20, 30 years from now, when they're adults, they'll be like, man, I, I know my parents are really into each other. And that's what got them through the duration of the relationship. That's, yeah. that's huge. That's the win. Yeah. Well, and it gives them something to look forward to and create in their own relationships to know it's possible. Absolutely. And that's the goal. I mean, you always want to be better than you were, right? Or anybody. Yes. Else. 
And so the goal is to make them see that, hey, it is all possible and you can have this too, just provided you know how to communicate and treat each other well and understand what both sides want and need, et cetera, et cetera, and then have those discussions that are not always comfortable mm-hmm. and, you know, work with each other, work with everybody in the household. Yeah. That allows them to be really comfortable with at least asking questions you'd hope, you know, yeah. like if they're wondering yeah. something, they're like, okay, well, it's not going to be comfortable to walk up to the parent that sounds like they're, you know, have been never even talked about sex to their kids. And now that poor kid has questions. And then what mm-hmm. happens? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he is he's surfing for those answers that are isn't in- it isn't it sad that we think that phrase, I want it better for my kids than I had it, translates most typically to finances to financial stability, to a leg up buying a house, a leg up uh, tuition wise and getting your degrees or whatever it is. I want them to have a better lifestyle. And really that seems so suddenly insignificant to me, although that's wonderful and helpful and lovely. It's, I want my kids to have it better than I did and I had it pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, um, I want them to say sexually in a relationship, spiritually, mm-hmm. all of those things like that stuff. I want you to have it even better than I did. And I had it and it was amazing. I want that for you. Yeah. And and all- more energy into the, to the finances of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and in all truth, you know, the, the truth is always there that money cannot buy you happiness and love. Right. And so we've told the kids, I don't care if you're driving a garbage truck or you're, you know, you're working, uh, working at a, in a multimillion dollar company. The, the basis of your happiness is going to be in your relationship. Mm-hmm. You know? So you could be, <laughs> you could be living in a cardboard box somewhere or in a tent and have a great relationship with the person that you're with. And that may just be bliss and nirvana for you. And that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you're a good human being. So, um, yeah, we want it better for our kids, but that's not always, not always financially. It's, it's right. Better. I would love to see them succeed and, and be comfortable, but I, I more so I would rather see them have that relationship to where they understand what a true relationship is and what true love is. And then that's their grounding rod wherever they go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So normalizing, to- let's normalize talk around toys. Yeah. So I think I hear this all the time that I get questions from women that have never even came close to buying a toy or wanting to use a toy. Or they're like, if I mention toys, they're like, Oh God, like, what are we doing? And, mm-hmm. but then you start really, 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 deep diving and talk to them about it. And they're just like, Hey, like what, what is good? And, and, and so now for me, I always recommend, um, through my program, any woman that is brand new, I actually start with a crystal wand, which is a a crystal dildo and for healing properties for releasing, you know, micro traumas, all these different things. And it's like, usually it's rose quartz, right? So healing and loving that energy. And that's mm. a, it's a softer approach than going straight to some of these toys, you know? And so then they get to kind of experiment with them. And, um, I, I honestly believe that 
if we can look at them again as not a replacement by any means, but mm-hmm. of an, an assistance, right? Mm-hmm. Because knowing that women t- need more time, then it's like, what are the options at that point? What are the options, right? If we need all this this time, then we need to fill that time with stimulation. And that's either going to really tire him out, whether that's orally or, you know, with his, with his own hands or things like that. It's like, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. And that's the work, I guess, that maybe guys complain about, but I don't buy that. That's, I think that's different. But so toys are, are such an amazing thing for women. And I think that it allows us to get and get to a spot where we feel super comfortable, super safe and be ready for, for penetration, because there's a process that needs to happen. And I don't think there's a lot of people that understand it, but men definitely have that challenge that we've run into of them being like, Hey, 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 wait, no, I don't agree with toys. And they are coming at it at a very different point of view. And so to try to teach them and that's, he's, Ian has always been super open to it. Again, that could be the very European side of things, but what do you hear? Like, yeah, it's just, it it just comes down to ego again, to where men are just afraid of being replaced. And, um, it's, it, that's, it's a hard one to break through, but you have to, you know, I think over time, if, if I were to sit down with a guy that was in that that situation in those shoes and have that discussion with him, hey, this is not a replacement, it's an enhancement. Trust me on mm-hmm. this. You know, when your partner says, grabs a toy and says, sit back and watch this, you're going to want to watch this. <laughs> so don't sit there and be like, oh my goodness, it's a replacement. No, that, the party just started, my friend. So enjoy it. Uh, and that's what they just don't see. They just don't get it. Like, what can I do with this? Right. And it's the same thing with like porn, provided you're on a good, stable platform in your relationship. Uh, it's the same thing. It's like, it's not a replacement. It can be, it can be the, it can be the firecracker thrown in the middle of the dance floor, man. It, it mm. really can be. But when it comes to toys, guys just freak out. And, uh, you know, it's, you talk to these, uh, very, I guess you talk to other men that are so, you know, they're, they're so for lack of a better term, cocksure, you know, and like, Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the sex God. And then you talk about toys like, yeah, we don't do toys. Oh, you just yeah. showed me you are scared. You just showed me your true ego. You just showed me your true colors. You mm-hmm. are not who you think you are. Mm-hmm. You are far smaller. And so that conversation, I, I just, it doesn't happen enough. Guys are just needing to open up the doors a little bit and be okay with it. It's not a huge deal. It is not anything that is going to damage a relationship. And yeah. to sit there and say like, well, if I'm at work and she's using a toy, I feel like she's cheating on me. Uh, I get. To, I hate to break it to you, buddy, but I know you're in the bathroom cracking it off here and there too to Pornhub. So please don't try to tell me that she wouldn't feel the same way and yet she's okay yeah. with it. So, yeah. you know, it's it's funny because guys will definitely put themselves on a one-way Double street. Standard. Yeah, they, they mm. put themselves on a one-way street. Well, it's okay for me, but not for you. And it's like, okay, that's not the solid footing your relationship should be on. That's and right. So there's a lot to work, a lot more work, I think, to be done with guys wrapping their head around it than there is with women. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's an interesting conversation to be had. And I'm often asked, well, you guys have some toys, right? And I said, yeah, what kind of toys? And I said, no, the better question is what don't we have? It's not what we have, it's what we don't have. It's just because 
hey, it's fun. It's exciting. It's something new. It and feels I never good. know what I'm going to want. Right. So, <laughs> you know, exactly. So make, yeah. make it fun. Yeah. Well, that's an important point. You never know what you're going to want. And I think what people don't realize, I didn't. There are many kinds of orgasms. Mm -hmm. And it isn't all just cut and dry, black and white. I mean, that's blowing my mind. Yeah. Learning that. I think that that is a big education portion because in order to achieve all those different ones that there is a process that needs to happen. And so much of that is not actually with penetration. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a whole other big thing that we can talk about because women, they, most of their nerve endings are actually on the outside. So Mm -hmm. a lot of women think that they're broken because they can't orgasm from penetration. And Mm -hmm. so there's so much stimulation that needs to happen on the outside that these toys allow that to happen. And so it gets, it gets, allows us to experience a buffet of different orgasms that you get to do. Mm -hmm. And still that still does not replace the real thing with your partner. And then I think that's what really people need to understand. Well, and can I just say for the record, if there's guys out there listening to this and they're worried about size, that's just, Mm. that takes care of that. If you think about it. Mm. And I know, I'm not going to get into the size matters debate. Um, everyone has their own. Well, I, I just, what I think is so interesting is to the very person who'd be threatened because let's say he feels he doesn't have the same prowess another man does. This is like a home run (laughs) to know that there's these tools at your disposal that can add to this too. And again, they don't replace because to your point, if it isn't just about penetration, then it isn't just about size. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, so Ian looked like you were about to say something. <laughs> I just want to. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. Um, <sighs> I think guys get so caught up in that whole size things that they can't get that out of their own heads. I think. <clears throat> yeah. And, and that's part of the issue that, goes along with it is, is men are very much, um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for here. They have so many preconceived notions of what they're supposed to be like, act like, perform like. And so there's a lot of, there's a tremendous amount of performance anxiety for a guy. There really is. Mm. There really mm. is. Right. And then because of the way we've learned about sex, probably through porn or through all the wrong channels, you think you're supposed to have a, a 10 inch dong and it's, you know, that's supposed to be a magical fountain of excitement. And it's not, that's not, that's not the case, man. The average, you know, the scientifically average size for a man's penis is like five and three quarter inches. That's the average, right? Yeah. So people don't realize that they see the, you know, the one in a million in, in some movie and they think, Oh my goodness, I can't measure up. And <clears throat> so men have these insecurities that they take with them all over the place. And I think of course, yeah, you get to, if you look at toys the wrong way, you will feed into that insecurity. However, mm-hmm. if you choose to look at them another way, if you are average or below average, guess what? You just, you, you've got another, another uh, bigger baseball bat to swing for home runs because now you got some toys in the mix to make your partner feel that much better. So there's mm-hmm. no replacement for actual skin on skin. Um, but you can use those toys to your benefit. 
And for guys that have that performance anxiety, it's a huge relief. You know, I mean, this whole, there's so much that goes on in a guy's head and sex, because like we've alluded to before, it's hard to know what a woman is thinking needs, wants. We don't have enough of those discussions or we, most people don't to where you can alleviate the burden of having to try to figure it out. And for a guy to be able to not have to go into sex confused, Mm -hmm. oh boy, what am I going to be able to do tonight or not be able to do tonight? Mm -hmm. It's a game changer, right? And so for us, I know when we got to these levels over the last several years to where there's a lot less guesswork, I would say for me, and it's never been Mm -hmm. like a guesswork thing, but it's just, it's easier. It's way easier. It's way more relaxed. It's way more comfortable. And therefore your performance anxiety starts to slip away. You're not worried. Yeah. About, you're not worried about having an orgasm too soon. You're not worried about getting, you know, super erect versus partially erect, or maybe not even at all. Right? Mm-hmm. Just yeah. because life stresses sometimes affect your sexuality. We know that, and so maybe tonight is not the right game night. But you can still sit there and have an incredible evening of, let's say, oral sex or toys in light of it all. Right? And so all that performance anxiety about these little issues that you would never speak of before they go away when you start to break through these walls of your sexuality on both sides and yeah. you start to accept things as being normal. Like it's okay yeah. to have kinks. It's okay to like things. It's okay to feel good about things. It's okay for your partner to have their pleasure. It all works together. Yeah. And I yeah. think you touched on a really good point as far, because I think both sexes just have a lot of pressure, like walking in. Right. And we put that pressure on ourselves. It's not like you're trying, you know, your partner's putting that pressure on you, but, um, when you kind of can actually just remove the orgasm goal off the table and just focus on pleasure, like I, I honestly believe that you increase your chances of orgasm tenfold, right. Cause you let that, you let that go. And I know there's a lot of practices out there where the goal is to is actually not to orgasm is to just really learn and be like okay we're going to dedicate 10 or 15 minutes for just exploring and we're done um Mm -hmm. we can't do that like it just that just doesn't happen we can't just stop like that's just not but um but that's but it is really great for um for couples to even just start there to just let go of that pressure. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that for women that is huge too, because maybe they can kind of relax more and they can create yeah. this, this space that, Oh, I'm just here because I'm just, we're just learning right now. Yes. And, and I could probably just see her melt a little bit more into things and, mm-hmm. and just experience and experience that being so present that you can actually feel pleasure. And that's, that's probably the biggest hurdle for a lot of women, I think, is yeah. to get to that space. Yeah. I, I think the insecurity uh, is a really important facet of this. And, and the, it's gotta be the biggest hindrance, right? Is either a lack of information or insecurity and information is power, which is security. So it starts with gathering the tools and the knowledge, which is, I know so much about what you both believe in and, and why you believe in the work that you do, but also 
I'm just picturing how you view one another and how that changes things when you can observe the insecurity. So for example, Allison, you talked about earlier when you were less secure about yourself, even though you'd worked on your body, you had lost weight, you had gotten really strong, you were your body was ridiculously amazing, but you still from a head perspective, you still weren't quite there and you knew you had to do the deeper dive. So Ian, would you dispel the myths that I believe are out there that women have in their head that it's about how they look and what condition their body is in? And I'm guessing, but I won't put words in your mouth, that you found her more sexually attractive mentally as she began taking the deep dives and learning her own power and embracing her own feminine qualities and figuring herself out. And that had to be so much more attractive than the body. And I'm betting before the body transformation, there was still physical attraction. Like a lot of people wrap it up into physicality and what things look like. And I'm starting to realize it's so much more about what's going on here and in the soul. So Ian, would you speak to that? And if I'm wrong or I've misstated or mischaracterized that, please call me on it. But I'm just guessing. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, that we've always had a strong physical attraction. I mean, it's, she's an extremely attractive woman. We met on a blind date and I remember looking at her the moment she walked down the stairs and it was just like sold, wrap it up. I'm taking it home sold. Right. And so, um, she's always had that, but yeah, when you, when you now tie in, so you, you get this physical side of it and then you develop the connection, right? So that's important, right? You got to have some connection beyond just the physical. And so you get that. And that leads to the relationship in general and it's good, but then you start really getting into developing the, uh, deeper emotions, the deeper spiritual side of things on that, that more, um, intimate physical relationship. And that's where things change dramatically. So absolutely the, a a person is extremely to me, and I'm sure many men would agree, Um, a a person is very much more attractive when they are able to tap into their own sensuality and sexuality and men, you know, when we look at sex, we're very much, um, we're very visual. We're very fantasy driven. That's the normal psyche for men, right? Just, we, we picture things. It's, that's, that's what we look. And so for me, the biggest turn on during sex, and it can be the wildest, craziest, kinky thing is watching her face because I can watch her face and I can see her literally just trip away and drift away into a completely different realm of sensuality. And that just knowing that her headspace and her mind and her body are going all to this incredible place, that's mind blowing. And that's what, that's the part that people have to realize and tap into is just to look at, look at it differently and realize it's not just a physical Thing. It's much more spiritual, um, and it's a it's a much more emotional connection when you get to that level, and that's what makes it really, really sexy. Not just sexy, but like crazy hot sexy. Is to watch your partner just just drift into nirvana, and that's really like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's physically like like an eye connection. So it's it's so beyond what somebody looks like. Right. And that, that, that's the biggest thing I want to teach women too, is sensuality that 
sexual energy that you just naturally give off when you're super embodied can look any way from any body, any bodies can look that way. And there is people out there. There's like we said, we, we said we, this could be same sex. This can be just male, female. It doesn't even matter. It's the energy that that person starts to recognize and, and draws them in and pulls them into that. Oh, like just, yeah, Nirvana. But the I think the biggest change for me, like really thinking about it, like you, like we were talking about, it wasn't a physical change um, for me at all. Um, I looked the same that I looked when I struggled, right? So there, it wasn't that. It was actually being around like sexual positive information that told me that I actually looked normal, that my vulva was normal, that my yoni was normal because um, to be brutally open on this real podcast, (laughs) um, I underneath it all, I didn't feel like I had the, the, here's my air quotes, um, ideal pussy. I didn't, I, you know, it, if you think about back to when I learned it was from porn, it was not, it didn't look that way. And so Uh -uh. I underneath it all had this insecurity that I didn't even realize I had. I thought it was, Oh, I, you know, I'm not fit enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not any of these things. I put every other thing in the bucket And then as I'm throwing these things out of the bucket, I'm realizing, crap, I just still have something in here. What is it? And it was an exception and a deep understanding that I am normal and this is normal and it's actually beautiful and I love it and Mm -hmm. I want to show it off now. And I never was that way before. And that is the difference between being so comfortable with your partner and being able to be open and receiving because it's out there, right? It's right there. And it's going to show your deepest insecurity if you don't have an acceptance of it. And the reality is our yonis are like fingerprints. Every single woman is different and every single woman is beautiful. And that's what we have to truly accept. But I think that's a deep, deep underlying insecurity with so many women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. What I know we at some point have to wrap this up, but this is just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, fear of change. Allison, you told me, don't let me forget yes. to talk about fear of change. So I think this is want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so important because in a relationship, you get so comfortable with who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And whether you love it or not, it's just this comfort level now. Yeah. And so for women, it's like, okay, well, if this is working, this is working. Why would I, why would I try something different? Why would I, you know, change and risk that that person isn't going to like the new person that I am. And I went through so much change and that's the reason why I want to bring it up because I did have little bits of time where I was scared to tap into learning about this or learning into that. And I, and really 
when it came to my sensuality and then my spirituality, like really mm. deep diving into that, I thought, oh God, like people, are they really going to accept that I'm just this, you know, meathead hippie that is all things spiritual and, and, but I love to lift weights and is that confusing for people? And, and I, ha I like this and I like that. And then I, and so I think that women have such this deep fear of change and acceptance that we get caught up in that. And so I just want people to know that we're changing, whether you like it or not, every single day, you're the, like Ian always says, you're the youngest you'll ever be right mm -hmm. now. And that's the reality. And unless you're, when I asked him, like, like I'm changing a lot, like, how do you deal with this? Like, I am definitely not the same woman that you married 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, but the reality is none of us are. And I just keep wanting to learn my, about my soul. And that's mm -hmm. not a bad thing. Like that's, those are all good things. Unless I'm like trying to pick up a really bad habit that I know I'm not going to, you know, going to be great for people, then that's a different subject. But I think that women just get so caught up in that fear of, acceptance and a fear of change, but you're, if you're doing anything to improve your self-esteem and your confidence or your body, mm. baby, you're only changing for the better. Like let that go and mm. learn, you know, learn. You can do it even in a long-term relationship or if you're by yourself, great, then do it now. Like learn mm -hmm. about yourself, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I am deep in the thick of change and just challenging every bit of my beliefs and hangups. And I feel like I'm at the beginning, but it's never too late. That's the thing too. Uh, yeah. So I'm 51. Okay. Do I wish I knew a lot of the things I know now, 20 and 30 years ago? Sure. But I didn't. Right. right. <laughs> and I, it's okay. Um, but, and to that, and to that end, I mean, life. We all yeah. know life is a process of evolution, and um, I think we both get fed up when we hear people say, "You're know, like 25, 30 years old." Like I've got it all figured out, and it's like the hell you do. <laughs> you, you, you are not a life coach yet, my friend. You, <laughs> you have no children. You've never been married. You, you have not even looked at your vulva or whatever the case may be. And so to, to hear that just kills me. It's just. It's there's nothing more false than that statement about people thinking they've got it all figured out early on because you don't. The process is ever yeah. going on that you are changing throughout your entire course of your life. You have to accept that that in a relationship, both of you are going to change. And you have yeah. to accept it. There's no way about it. And, and oh, keep going. No, just, and yeah. I was just saying, the vast majority of the time, it's successful, and that folks will change together and they'll make they'll yes. grow together. And every once in a while, it doesn't work, and that's okay too. Yeah, we don't want that to happen, but it's okay because sometimes it just doesn't work, and you got to call it and say, "Hey, it's not working," and for the best of it, we should go our separate ways. Good, but to not grow or to be afraid of it—that's probably more detrimental. Yeah, it honestly mm -hmm. is. You were leading exactly where I wanted to interject. It's that it's okay to want to grow and change, and sometimes that does upset status quo, and it does shift things. And I believe ultimately it's better for everyone to have that desire. And yeah, there may be, a, the, let's say you're in a partnership and the other person does not feel 
that draw. Okay, that's okay. I think it's still really important to go, I I need this, I need to change, or I feel an unsettled feeling, or I know there's more, or I, I, I just want to honor that there are so many of us who have those thoughts and feelings and we're not wrong or bad to have those. We're not ungrateful. We're not um, lacking in appreciation because so often if you ask a question or if you go, I think I want more, it makes you, you know, you'll get labeled. Oh, would just be grateful for what you have. Right. Right. Yeah. Yuck. I am Uh so weary of phrases like that. Like just be grateful for what you have. Yuck. I could go flaccid just saying that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So, and I think I, I, that you have to understand that people come in and out of our lives for a reason. And the, and when we can kind of just accept that too, and be grateful for the gifts and the lessons that they've learned and taught, yeah. or taught us, like that's end of story, right? Like, okay, great. Maybe this doesn't keep, this isn't working or yeah, it's just a matter of it worked at the time and now there's movement and either that works with your relationship or it doesn't, but you do have to honor your soul no matter what. And that's Mm -hmm. so important. So important. Well, and what it can bring to the relationship, even if let's say you're not the one who's, who's feeling that desire for change and it feels threatening. It's actually about bringing, it can bring new life, new blood, new goodness to the relationship. So a, we don't have to be threatened by it if we're not the partner who feels that way. We are the beneficiary perhaps. Yeah. And it gives us, uh, it, it, it kind of set the, the tone for, Oh, this is possible. And then maybe there's things they go, Oh, there's things I want to explore. I think that's beautiful. And, and you don't have to feel bad if you are the explorer in the relationship it's okay. And it's not, you're not wrong just because the other person isn't there. Right. There's right. room for all of it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. We're not always on the same page all the time. And we go through seasons too. And I think that needs to be acknowledged. We go through seasons in our life and where our kids are at and our careers and illness. And there's just so many things that come into play. And, um, and that shifts things that shifts awarenesses and then suddenly you have a desire to explore something sexually or otherwise that you never even thought of before but life shifted perspective shifted spirituality shifted yeah yeah there there's so much different types of growth you know that can happen and you know again we're just like energy. So if we're like these, if you can think of yourself as like a tree, right? You want to just be grounded, but mm-hmm. you want to be able to sway and you want to be able to roll through and be flexible and and learn and let go and forgive and forget and let, you know, like kind of just happiness is the goal, right? Like we yeah. all just want to be happy and whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you and your partner maybe happy, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing or what they have to say, whether that's in the bedroom or outside the bedroom or your lifestyle, or you, you know, maybe a multiple partners. Now the world is starting to accept just about anything in that particular realm. We just mm-hmm. need to be a little bit more accepting with 
a few other things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, thank you both so, so much. This has been a great, great conversation. I love talking to you. And I just look forward to more conversations like this. I'm so glad we're friends and that we live near each other and all of that good stuff because there's just so much more. There's so much and, more. <laughs> oh, there's so much more. I feel like we barely scratched the surface, but it's a good start for today and for last week. So yes. thank you both. I, I appreciate you. And um, I know, I know y'all in the audience There are so many of you that go, wow, okay, what next? You know, again, I'm going to link all of Allison's um, stuff in the show notes. And there's a lot of options out there. So let this conversation be a portal that opens up greater possibilities for you. And that may seem crazy and scary, but that's okay. It's okay. We're in it together. And I just look forward to talking about this more. So thanks, both of you. You're You're welcome. welcome. Thank Thank you. you. All right. See you all next week. Listen for Real is produced in Rockland, California and is edited and mixed with the help of Mark Edward. Our music entitled Zero is written and performed by Shannon Curtis. If you believe conversations like these belong in the world, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And even better, share it with someone else as a real conversation starter. We'll see you next time.